Sound in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter or less or more at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you this wonderful morning. Yeah, good to see you. And thanks to everybody for joining in on this conversation today. We've got an acceleration <laughs> of Galatians <laughs> to get into today. Uh, we're going to go through the rest of Galatians chapter 3, where we're going to put a lot of time into some very core ideas uh, that um, the author of Galatians, Paul, is exploring. We're going to talk about things like uh, faithfulness and fidelity and allegiance instead of just faith or belief. We're going to talk about... Um, Oh, what's the next one? <laughs> uh, instead uh, of cursing, yeah, per, yeah, yeah, blessing, cursing. Um, I'll be cursing. Um, yeah, and a, f- a couple other little subtle things along the way. And to make it all really work, um, we're going to be kind of walking through a bit of the logic of the text uh, as we go along. Mm-hmm. This is a very um, tightly argued. It can feel very esoteric. Um, stretch of, of scripture that we'd like to make sure we're not just talking about these individual words but um, helping you see the broader flow of argument that um, the apostle is making and and what the implications of your your Brandon's um, translation shifts uh, bring to that argument so we're going to be going through let's see verse 6 through the end of the chapter that's verse 29 so, uh, if you're uh, if you want to read through his translation, we've got a link to Brandon's translation uh, in the episode notes if you're listening to us, and on the Facebook or YouTube link if you're watching us. So, it this is always better if you read through it. You don't have to read the footnotes, but they always help if you want to get extra geeky. So, go ahead, hit pause if you need to, and we'll be here. Everybody, welcome back. Are you as confused as we are? Uh, <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully, almost as so, so we can help you along. Um, so the the argument so far that the the situation that Paul has been writing about, you know, has been, hey, there's this church in a town called Galatia that's um, there's been some controversy over some folks coming in saying, actually, you do need to culturally convert to Judaism to worship the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Um, And part of that is all the dudes need to be circumcised. Uh, And also, you still shouldn't be Jews. You still shouldn't be sitting with those who are Gentiles. There's still some controversy around that. So part of these people's argument is, you know, the, um, the Jewish Messiah doesn't negate converting culturally to Judaism. And by that, really, it's about what it meant for them in their day to be faithful to the teachings of Torah. Um, and, you know, Peter visited and there was this exchange where Paul was like, you're being full of shit, dude. Stop it. Stop being that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and he called him out publicly. Uh, and uh, now Paul is, is really arguing from the story why being grafted into the Jewish story, like what we do with this past as it comes to a new, the new the new future of God, of Jew and Gentile together, um, the messianic age or how, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's trying to argue why faithfulness to Jesus, uh, faithfulness to creator, apart from the terms of Torah, is really all that's necessary you don't need people don't need the multicultural people of god don't need to convert um to a torah based culture is that how would what would you add there or change yeah um yeah i think the like yeah the points are like the things that 
like kind of like we talked about last time distinctives the things that make us distinct from other groups are not the important things they exist maybe mm-hmm. but we're not trying to push for making sure we have a distinctive in order to prove that we're faithful yes. or that we're in and others are out um and you know every context starts to have that and so that's just what was happening in this context yeah. for this audience that this Paul is the way we've always to. done it yeah but but that the keeps happening we're... over and over in in all sorts of contexts yeah and that's the point is like these the distinctives that you're trying to use as a as a test for whether you really should belong are not okay because the belonging comes first yes and that's and the been belonging... accomplished by something else someone else yeah 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 we are grafted into the belonging of christ in god mm-hmm. and then this section really outlines why that's true yeah here he is arguing um he's telling the story as a way to show like look Jew- gentiles are grafted in through the promise of abraham or the promise given to abraham and after that came torah and it did a good thing and it also mm-hmm. said here's the expiration date on this here's the <laughs> here's some of the consequences of it. the thing that's going to hold you will eventually hold you back but it doesn't mean it has to hold back that prior promise mm-hmm. and i would i would maybe clarify it's not that it yeah expires and is therefore bad after that mm. it's more like the your relationship to it is supposed to grow not it's not supposed to stay the same but it's not that you throw it out no it, yeah because so, Jesus certainly need... wasn't throwing it out. Jesus is pulling from it a ton. Paul is pulling from it a ton to make their points, to te- teach yeah. their perspective and wisdom. But it's the relationship to that that shifts. Yes, well said. The um, And this isn't something, this argument, I mean, the way Paul argues it is, is novel to Christianity, but it's um, that adaptiveness to the what can read as a fairly fixed tradition if you're reading Torah. Um, the Jewish people did this. There's very clear teachings about like what you do when you like it, you kind of need a temple, you kind of need a tabernacle to do certain parts of Jewish life. And they had theirs uh, blown to smithereens in what the sixth century and maybe even the one prior to that. <laughs> and then again, uh, about, um, a decade and a half after this letter was written, 15 to 20 years later in 70 AD, the Romans decimated that temple. Um, and the Jewish people figured out, here's how we be faithful to Torah, given that we can't do everything in it. Uh, and mm-hmm. so the uh, various expressions of Judaism to this day all grapple with that, those kinds of questions. And they have contingencies for all kinds of things, too. And even the, um, what's that line Jesus says, uh, wherever two or three are gathered in my mm-hmm. name, there yeah, I'm with them. Mm-hmm. And that's a riff on a, a Jewish saying of wherever two or three are, are gathered studying Torah, there the Shekinah dwells. The presence of God that comes down to the temple is there when you're studying Torah. So Torah became a little traveling temple Mm-hmm. given that not everybody has access to it. Even if it's been rebuilt, not everybody can get to it. Mm-hmm. So there is precedent. <laughs> yeah, and even taking that connection there makes me start thinking about Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these things that were the shift that becomes from words written on stone to words written on your hearts, the yeah. shift from shekinah being present in studying the torah to the shift being present in the people yeah who are one with christ like it the temple went from the building to the words to the people mm, mm-hmm. yeah and so the flow of the argument here <laughs> to be pretty 
try to be concise here is um, the promise. If you want to get to the promise of the Messiah liberation, uh, some, the, the big turning in history that was given to Abraham, um, well, that came before the Torah, didn't it? So um, what do we do with Torah? And yeah. by the end of it, well, he's there's arguing, a lot of there's a lot of tradition that would say assume oh whatever comes later supersedes what was given first right so New Testament's better than Old Testament um, Jesus is better than Moses like yeah. just whatever comes la last is like Paul is better what, than Jesus would be some people's behavior. I don't know if anyone would say it but yeah some people live that way no but they'll say that as they beat up a woman or a gay person mm -hmm. yeah um, or uh, going with the wrong JC, John Calvin over Jesus Christ. And, yeah, yeah, bingo, um, bingo. Yeah. But yeah, and so Paul- The argument Paul, here is just the opposite, yeah. Yeah, he's saying, yeah, the, the, the branches aren't better than the trunk or the roots. Like, we're, let's go back to like the core of what the story is about. And you'll see that like, it's all good. And it doesn't disparage Torah. He's just like helping make sense of, you know, by the end of it we'll get to it this at the end but he he has a way of describing like the good role that torah gave to getting to the coming of the anointed one and the anointed multicultural people of god mm -hmm. um, but you needed they needed something of something like torah to get them there and it did a mm -hmm. good thing mm -hmm. but to cling on to what got you there um can spell death yeah. Um, and in fact, Torah has its own spelling of death in it, which is what we'll get into. So let's do this. <laughs> Thank you. We've let's, let's taken a few it. minutes yeah. to explain all this, but man, it's tangled. Yeah, it's dense here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's all over the place. But <sighs> So that first word, uh, faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pistuo being Entrusted. the, yeah, it's Abraham. Uh, had faith in God or trusted God or is kind of how it normally goes, believed God, um, something like that. But I, I have faithfully trusted, and we talked about this word a bit last last uh, episode, but um, there's this reciprocal nature to it that we've talked about of like faithfulness, commitment on one side, allegiance, kind of all on that same side and then like trust and the trust is based on the the faithfulness that's being shown and leads to mm -hmm. faithfulness on the part of the one trusting fake commitment to what's trusted and it's like they serve each other yeah um, de they develop and build each other and and i think both sides of it are, are in view here for abraham it's 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 not just that he believed God, that he trusted God. That is part of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that that trust led him to live ways appropriate to that trust, led toward commitment to living particular ways that mirrored the one he trusted. Yes. And so that's that's why I have it here as faithfully trusted. And I've I've thought about doing something like that throughout, and I've just still just haven't really settled on what my favorite way to deal with it is. But so sometimes I've gone with faithful or commitment or even allegiance, and sometimes I've gone with trust. But here I wanted to make it really clear that I see both in play. Mm, yeah, I appreciate that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I love how multifaceted some of these words are. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of the gifts of this project is just being able to um, soak in. Like, well, let's get all the other flavors. Let's pick out all the other flavors here, and see what consequences can develop from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like we've talked about so many times, there's not one right way to do this, and yeah. and anyone that tells you otherwise is yeah. misleading you. But um so yeah so even part of that's why i list other alternatives sometimes in the footnotes is because like this is the one i chose to put right here but i could have done this 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 or this and like they all like tweak it just a little bit and 
you know, my mom's favorite Bible that she read out of when I was growing up was the Amplified Bible, and it had hmm. kind of bracketed stacks of words to just say, like, here's like five, and it got kind of nuts because Hebrew is so much <laughs> even more that way than, than Greek. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah when your language has a smaller vocabulary, each word has to do more. Yeah, and I think they're their way of relating to language, you know, it's probably a, um, a bit of a helix relationship, a spiral back and forth mm -hmm. of that sort of poetic playfulness with meaning mm -hmm. is comes out of that kind of language. And that language maintains a certain witty, like, like there's, yeah. there's good arguments that can come from a pun. Right. <laughs> it's right. kind of like a controlling way of reading. Which kind of shows up here where like, it's yeah. not seeds, yeah. it's seed. And it's like, I mean, yeah, technically, but there's reasons for that if we're going on a real tech, but he's making a point, not like yeah. arguing so about the definition about of a word. Yeah. Now, the reason I want to, it's important to bring up this, this, um, faithfully trusted instead of just faith or believe is, well, one, it's an interesting way to elaborate on the argument Paul is making, but the, you know, we, for us, we really want to be accenting and accentuating the, um, the liberatory consequences of some of these mm -hmm. shifts. Um, we'll get geeky, but it's in service to human flourishing. And the consequences here are that the dominant translation, uh, or, or, um, making sense of this, uh, passage in Protestantism is this kind of gross caricature between belief up here and works with the rest of our body. Um, mm -hmm. And it's more complicated and weird than that. It's more interesting than that. Mm -hmm. Faithfully trusted faithfulness, allegiance. Tell me that these words are purely cognitive. Or purely affective. They are whole body, whole person words. Mm -hmm. And if we slip into this um, disembodied faith versus embodied works thing, it gives us an escape hatch from works of um, compassion and solidarity and forgiveness and justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it frees us from being, from all of ourselves being um, part of the liberation of God. Right. Yeah, which this verse is an absolutely important point in that because it gets used for like, because mm -hmm. normally it's righteousness instead of what I have here is justice is the traditional way of doing it. But justice or maybe justness is what it means, the mm -hmm. sense of being aligned with right living and and equity um yeah for, for all people and if it's just abraham believed the right thing about god and then it was credited to him that he's all good all good like no that, 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 like you said it just kind of gives you a free pass to yeah. like not engage in in all the things that are actually faithful to to justice and yeah i God, why didn't why don't I have this close at hand? But you know, um, last year we interviewed uh, Terry Wildman, who uh, mm -hmm. headed up the um, um, First Nations translation. Um, and I really would like to know what how he translated. It's just right there. Um, but to, I think to use the language that he, they did often um, of like the harmony way. Um, mm -hmm. Randy Woodley, uh, fellow yeah. who lives kind of halfway between us here in the Northwest uh, talks a lot about the harmony way. So here it might be, uh, and it was credited and, and it was credited to him or expressive of him being aligned with the harmony way. He was living mm -hmm. in harmony with creator. Yeah, That's getting at like, it's not just justice or justice or 
justification, it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like being charged with the iridescence of sacred harmony. Right. Yeah. And all of that fits perfectly with the context here. But what doesn't is people read, in the tradition I came from anyway, read this as Abraham thought the right things, so he got to go to heaven. So wait a second. Where did that come from? That is not here. But that's how people, what people assume it's saying. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. This is about (laughs) what you see around you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not some disembodied existence after you die. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> the implications of this are just so relentless. Um, mm-hmm. So let's jump down to verse eight here. Um, you know, why don't you, um, we didn't read any of it. Sure. Into our yeah. microphones. Uh, would you mind reading six mm-hmm. through at least eight and see how? Yeah, that's is? probably a good uh, good st- pause pause place. Okay, yeah. six through eight. Just as Abraham faithfully trusted God, and it oh, there's a there's a typo here. I've, it was it was. Okay, <laughs> so I have to fix that. Okay, just as Abraham faithfully trusted God. And it was recorded. Moses must have written this because he had a stutter. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> okay, let's start again. Just as Abraham faithfully trusted God, and it was recorded as a credit for him toward justice, so then know that those who receive the life breath by faithfulness, they are heirs of Abraham. Scripture, expecting that God is making other people's participants in justice by faithfulness, announced the triumphant message in advance to Abraham. All peoples will be praised as worthy through you. Mm. There it is. Yeah. Kind of knocked knocked me on my butt to when I was doing this translation. I was like, oh my, like I went through seminary and everything and talking about like so much focus. It was evangelical seminary, so much focus on what's your elevator speech of the gospel? Uh, What's the best verse to go to that summarizes the gospel and the gospel being that you're bad, Jesus died instead of you. He got to be alive again. So you get to be alive again and go to heaven. Like as long as you like fist bump that. As long as you like, yeah, do the Romans 10 thing and say the right prayer. Um, And but I'm like, oh, this explicitly says in one short sentence what the gospel is. The triumphant message is how I have that translated here. All peoples will be praised through you, Abraham. Mm, mm-hmm. End of gospel. Like that is the good news. That is what's being announced that people can get excited about. What's worthy? All mean? peoples. Yeah. What's worthy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a good time to go into the the praised as worthy is how i've translated what's traditionally blessed mm-hmm. um so it's but it's not the same word as in like in the beatitudes um makarios is what's there the sense of like receiving a good thing like get to be mm-hmm. happy and and gra- grateful because you've been given a good gift um this is a the same word where we get the english word eulogy it's like speaking well of someone mm. god it's is the, the great eulogizer <laughs> yes thank you for that <laughs> um yeah so you have in uh i uh, can't no, i'm thinking it's a zoolander reference here. for anybody yeah. who hasn't seen that 20 year old movie yeah it's got some blue steel action mm-hmm. but okay So thinking like Genesis, for instance, when Jacob blesses his sons, it's near the end of Genesis, and it goes through each son and speaks over them uh, a future Mm. that that he's 
kind of speaking into existence for them. It's like, this is what good things are going to happen to you and your descendants. And he's doing that based on who they are. Like, and he's not, he doesn't pull any punches. Like one of his sons slept with one of his wives and loses his birthright because of it. So like, he, he's not only saying the positives in that, but he's speaking what's true of what he knows of them and what he sees as where that's going to take them and their family lines. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's talking about here. You, good, logia, a word. It's a good, speaking a good word over them. Mm. Um, so all peoples will be spoken well of through you all peoples will be pronounced a a good future because of who they are through you god will raise a glass to all people Mm -hmm. through you yeah in a way that's praising them but also kind of predictive of Mm -hmm. what i know of you which is what's most true is that you're heirs of abraham um you're heirs of this promise of the the world at peace and beauty that i am creating you're heirs of that world that's what i'm speaking over you and that's the good news you are worthy to to be participating in that promise Mm. and there's kind of a contrasting presence in the rest of this passage uh, of uh, to continue on verse nine. So then those who received the life breath by faithfulness are praised as worthy along with Abraham who trusted, faithfully trusted mm-hmm. for whoever receives life breath by actions from Torah are things like circumcision uh, mm-hmm. are subjected to a declaration of impending hardship. Mm-hmm. This is in the scriptures. A declaration of impending hardship is over everyone who stays committed to everything written in the book of Torah and doing it. Goes on. Yeah, that's that's a long phrase that um, yeah. has a very different flavor than hardship. it's usually just curse. Yeah, yeah, subjected to a curse. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's become that word has taken a weird turn in English yeah, curse yeah. um it's become like magic or like superstition of like you found the cursed treasure that some pirate king put a curse on and now that you've yeah. found it and took it like bad things start happening to you because this like magic spell was put on it yeah and now you've monkey got paw. the spell on you yeah. right and it's like that is not in this at all there is no sense of what that's what this word means in any way. It's literally just the opposite of the eulogia, the, the eulogy that being praised as worthy. It's a, hey, I see that what you're doing does not fit with this. It's going to lead to negative outcomes for you and all the people around you. And it's going to cause hardship. Right, so like, if you're not following the ways that lead to goodness you're following the ways that lead to harm mm-hmm. and that's going to cause hardship it's it, yeah. it's really all it means and like we the little bit of where that st- has stayed in english is like cursing like f you like mm-hmm. i'm cursing you i'm hoping bad things for you go to hell like that's that's cursing and it's the closest sense to what it's saying here mm-hmm. um not magic spells yeah so because people think of like these magic levels of meaning i just just take the word curse out and kind of define it instead yeah it's also used again by the kind of dominant protestant world and i I think the other side of the tiber as well and beyond um you know the the land is cursed in the earliest stories um Mm -hmm. because of humanity's rebellion or whatever um we're we're seeing that playing out in real time yeah yeah um far as the curse is found far so it's easy to sort of like mistakenly infer that the the curse 
in the creation and fall stories is this kind of similar thing going on here where it and then just loop in like you know gargle some augustine and you get um you get the sense of original sin like see we're all effed <laughs> we're all under god's yeah f all of you but it it's not god making it happen like he put no. a spell on it it's saying look at the choices you're making this is where it's leading yeah it's not it's not a curse of punishment it's a a curse of um natural consequence parenting i suppose and in mm -hmm. this case in um uh what's it called deuteronomy uh there there are these contrasting blessings and curses um right. words of yeah, words 28 of, through 30 of worthiness and words of Shit's going to get heavy if you go that way. Mm -hmm. um, could you summarize mm -hmm. those and how they play in here? Yeah, I mean, it really is like all the things that I've taught you about how to live together, the ways that are healthy and bring benefit, lead to good things, and those are the blessings. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, they lead to life. And it, it pretty much says that explicitly. And that the ways that if you disregard all of this, then you're going to be making choices that lead toward death. Choose life. Yes. And it yeah. uses that exact phrase in, in chapter 30. And, and what, um, what the path of death, the path of curse, the path of impending hardship looks like in Deuteronomy is if you forsake Yahweh, your God, if you forsake um, being a community of holiness and justice and singular mm -hmm. devotion to me instead of all those gods that tell you to throw your kids into fires. Um, right. Other nations, empires around you will turn their, their gaze towards you with lust in their hearts and tear you out of the land I, I am about to put you in and mm -hmm. drag you into slavery from the land of promise you will no longer really be the people of promise, but I will relent and bring you back eventually. But the everything will go to shit if you take your eyes off of the works mm -hmm. of, uh, if you commit injustice and idolatry. And the prophets wind up yeah. saying, you guys are being unfaithful to, to God and one another, injustice and idolatry. And there's a, mm -hmm. there's a feedback loop there. Yeah, I mean... The word that it uses for image of God in the beginning of Genesis is the same word that is translated other places as idol. Yeah. Humanity is already the idol that was meant to represent the way of God to mm -hmm. all of creation. And if we're not being true humanists and valuing yes, yes. each other as full as as images of the divine and treating each other as equals in cooperation and collaboration and helping each other out and instead of living in competition because we've set some other thing as more important then mm. that's idolatry and we're saying that my receiving this thing that whether it's power or money or belongings or status or whatever it is that's more important than the person next to me that's idolatry, and that leads towards death. Mm, mm -hmm. So the place where this all fits into Paul's argument here is it makes what he's arguing about very specific. I mean, it's clear he's arguing about very Jewish questions, very Hebraic mm -hmm. questions. Um, and yeah. he's and the the problem of that day was we are living under the curse we a, a curse of exile a curse of excommunication in some way and we don't know that we're in god's good graces anymore so how do we mm -hmm. figure out how to do and be that we're going to mm -hmm. be really sticklers for torah faithfulness and so yeah. that's of there's course there's a logic gonna, to it there there's is. a total logic to it yep. and so how can messiah come back how can all of the promises be brought in how can uh, Israel be vindicated above the nations. Well, we need the forgiveness of sins, the sins that got us into exile, the sins that led to the this impending hardship, the hardship we've been in for more time than we haven't. Mm -hmm. um, so 
if if the Christian sect of Judaism at this point, however you want to call that, is arguing that the Messiah has come, well, where, what about Torah? What about the impending hardship? Like, if you if you don't graft in this way, you're going to stay in under the impending hardship. Yeah, there's some sense of that argument. You're going to miss mm-hmm. out on the age of promise here. Yeah. Part of it's because you can't actually be faithful to every piece of Torah. One, there's conflicting things in it. Uh, and it's, it makes it the point. It makes Torah itself an idol rather yes. than, you know, because it summarizes, we've talked about this before, several times throughout the Christian Testament that the summary of Torah is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And when faithful, like living Torah makes you do things that harm others or disregard the needs of others, yeah, you are yeah. breaking Torah. But there yeah. are some times where like those seem in conflict and you have to choose one. And if you can't choose both, then all of a sudden you're breaking the other. And then it doesn't work. It doesn't work to actually be completely just according to Torah. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not about following the rule. It's about figuring out in conversation with each other, with the spirit, what actually leads to life for everybody involved in any given situation. So by bringing this more Hebraic understanding to the center here, the argument that Paul is advancing is, um, let's see, I don't know if you have to flip to the next page. Um, scroll down here christ there it is 13 christ purchased us from torah's declaration of impending hardship becoming for us a declaration of impending hardship since this is in scriptures everyone who's hanged on wood under a deck is under that Mm -hmm. um and so that the praise of worthiness for abraham would become for other people through christ jesus so that we would receive the promise through faithfulness so what he's saying is Mm. look the thing that got you this far here's the promise Here's the um, Torah that helped hold us together. And it's what got you into ex- y'all, us all, into exile. It, it, it didn't just create a problem for Israel. It created a problem for the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the solution's right here. Like, even what does it mean to be, like, I've always wondered, what does the heck does it mean for Jesus to become a curse? What? Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of gloss over it like okay it means something and i've heard people try to explain it and it's never made any sense to me but if you're talking about what happened to him seeing him on the cross is a declaration of what happens within a system that's based on competition and idolatry yeah and he chose that instead of yeah what he talks about in matthew of like calling legions of angels to defeat his enemies he responded with it's better for me to die than for me to harm anyone else and that declaration of hardship by showing this is what happens in a system like this Mm -hmm. led to the praise Mm -hmm. of worthiness for everyone because he said look these are the people who are have nothing to do with torah they're not following it and they're worthy of me dying for them Mm mm-hmm that's how this is supposed to work. Yep. Yeah. He is, he, he fulfills the task of Israel as it relates to Torah so that the thing that's been bottlenecking promise, the promise of Abraham is just mm-hmm. like pounding to get through to the world. And in the crucifixion, mm-hmm. Christ takes on that, that um, he dies, at, he's publicly executed by the state by an empire so he takes on the declaration of an impending hardship from torah so that the promise can go through mm-hmm. so that it no longer requires these distinctives to qualify for the promise yeah so let's move on towards there's two final uh, paragraphs in your page setting mm-hmm. of this um one is explaining this the first one this 
I guess more arcane um, argument here. He's taking some time to to show how Christ is the can be the bearer of Abraham's promise as the seed, and how does the Torah get to the? It's important. And it's not necessary to understand this final pa- paragraph. Uh, you don't have to have a meticulous understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. and you're kind of just getting decisions... into the yeah, the verse seventeen is kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Is like the the newer stuff doesn't supersede the older stuff. Yeah, in, including transcend, as Father Richard Rohr says. Um, hmm. Lost my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the uh, the final paragraph is really, I think, where we can um, it it summarizes everything that's been argued so far, especially that final verse. So could you just read mm-hmm. all of twenty three through twenty nine for us? Sure. Thank you. However, before the arrival of faithfulness. We were being guarded by Torah, enclosed together in anticipation of the faithfulness about to be revealed. So then, the Torah became our nanny for Christ, so that by faithfulness, we would be made just. But since faithfulness has arrived, we are no longer under a nanny, for you are all children of God through the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. For whoever of you were submerged for Christ, you covered yourselves with Christ. One who is within is neither Jew nor Greek, neither enslaved nor free, not male and female. You are all one within Christ Jesus. So if you are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs based on a promise. This is how you were grafted in. Mm -hmm. Wow. So right there towards the beginning, um, Torah became our nanny for the Messiah, mm. for Christ, so that by mm. faithfulness, like Abraham, who came before, we would be made just, um, be aligned with harmony. Mm-hmm. It was meant to protect us and guide us, yeah. um, keeping How- us safe yeah. until we could be mature enough to take care of do things for ourselves in the way of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just babysitting. The word there is um, pedagogue. It is, which is where yeah, we... Teacher. Like instructor. pedagogy is, yeah, teacher, instructor. It's a little misleading. Uh, that is where the English word pedagogy comes from, but it didn't mean a teacher in the Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there was teaching involved in the role of a pedagogue. Um, but it was more about being the guardian, the caretaker, um, the one who got the kid where they were supposed to be at the right time and, and receiving their lessons if they had lessons. But um, it's really taking a parental role, caregiving role, nanny mm-hmm. role, mm-hmm. Um, not like tutor, like I'm teaching you to read math or, you know. Yeah, like yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful to me to just like sent to bring mm-hmm. that forward. I think uh how do other translations do it? Is it more like is it more like instructor? Sometimes guardian I've seen and yeah. I and I like that, but if I think about it in the sense of like a child's guardian, mm-hmm. the one who's like their primary caregiver. But when I hear it in this context without intentionally keeping that in mind, I hear guardian as like a bodyguard like yes. someone like a soldier kind of and I'm like oh that's not what i want so yeah it's not the secret service it's it's something more tender right and relatable yeah 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 so that's how he makes sense of like okay well then what the hell was the purpose of the mm-hmm. law of the torah of of, yeah. of, the, of this charter of being a particular people Right, because it's just like a child, cultures mm-hmm. grow in advance. Like, you can just look at American culture compared to 10 years ago, compared to 50 years ago. Like, it's growing and changing, and 
and we've had to adapt by having more access to a broader yeah. range of people and like yeah so much so that that has been true of all of history for all cultures there's development that happens and that's the same with individuals going from children to adulthood like the way they see things the way the way they're how self-sufficient and uh able to be responsible yeah are yeah. changes over time and so earlier on you need an adult to fill in the gaps of what a kid can't do for themselves doesn't understand mm -hmm. for themselves and tell them no don't do that right now do this do this right now do that you know st stop what you're doing do this instead like mm -hmm. and the idea is not that that's gonna have to be happening forever that would be really weird if you know at 46 i still would need that or 37 or however like i don't need a parent teaching me what to do in every yeah, moment yeah. some of us might actually but the, the idea is that you're teaching through that guidance when people are kids and gradually stepping back to give them more yes. and more responsibility so they've internalized it it's been written on their hearts so they can use that wisdom and call on their memories of not just what did i do in the situation but why and use that to make informed decisions in their own future. That's the role of Torah for early Israel, for Abraham's descendants, Moses, people give a sense of direction, point you in the right direction, tell you what to do in these specific circumstances so that you can start to understand what kinds of choices fit the values of, of Christ, yes, well, of God, yeah, of Yahweh. And then you can start doing that for yourselves and teaching each other and um yeah not just well we've got our list of uh regulations here so they got to stick to it yeah and that and that basic logic of these things that provide distinction that can take care of you in some way like this is the best case scenario mm -hmm. and even then it has this like minority report within it of but it put us in exile um right. it had its own it put yeah. us in timeout Right. Well, because there's two, there's there's like layers of growing into like maturity and yes. developing and wisdom and, and ethics and morality and not following the rules mm -hmm. is a problem when it means that you're behaving badly, right? When you're hurting people, when you're breaking stuff, when you're just like taking stuff, being selfish and not sharing, like all yeah. the things that like we teach kids, hey, stop that. Yeah, yeah. You give them rules to help them learn appropriate behavior. And you should be also talking about why so they can understand it, internalize it. Yes. And get to the other side where you don't need the rules again, but not so you can do whatever that if you want. Mm -hmm. It's because you instinctively, intuitively know how to get to life-giving things because you used to have the rules that you had to be more strictly adherent to. Mm. and it's really hard for people who are still on the like i really need rules in order to behave well it's if you start talking about stop let go of the rules the rules aren't what's important they get scared because they just imagine going backwards back to doing whatever the f i want and just like kicking people around yeah so this doesn't make sense yeah our commitments do not define us yeah so this is this is really a, a very mature way of approaching yes. things and paul is trying to push the church into more maturity it's like don't disregard the rules so that you can do whatever you feel like but the rules are not the thing it's how we treat each other and the kind of world that we're building together that is the thing yeah that's what god has been doing since the beginning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's get there and stop yeah. using the rules as gatekeeping Bingo. Bingo. And things, so, so look at this last stretch here in verse 28. One who is within uh, Christ Jesus is neither Jew nor Greek, neither enslaved nor free, neither male and female. You're all one within Christ Jesus. Uh, look at these pairings that he's, he's giving. Mm -hmm. I think there's a bit of thoughtfulness to it because he's been spending the whole time talking about, so all three of them are distinctions. Mm -hmm. First one, is one that came from god kind of 
ish like there's yeah I mean, ish. it's just family yeah. lineage really yeah is all it is there's yeah um it's one that clearly is the the crisis that he's trying to resolve here and say yeah um cultural notice it's not even gentile it's greek specifically it's just an example it's funny that's funny it's a good point yeah. uh so he's saying like okay i've explained to you how within our own story there's space for moving beyond that um, as the kind of like next chapter in the story, this um, transgression of a boundary, like we've made um, these distinctions are not going to be decisive, nor are they going to be divisive. Mm -hmm. And he's showing that from something that they believed came from God. The next one he lists, right. enslaved people versus not enslaved people, is pretty clearly, it was how the world worked. It's how, it's what built, it's what made the economy run. And it's fucking heinous. It's mm -hmm. evil. And he's yep. and he's saying, and that that division is or distinction will not be a division or a defining thing of anyone. And even something that is not just from God or made by humans and bad, <laughs> but mm -hmm. something as neutral or i guess i guess in in genesis it would be good but being made yeah. typically male or typically female even that is a distinction that will not be decisive or a division so any to get mm -hmm. a little preachy here anyone who believes that those distinctions are worthy of ex excommunicating and harming and exiling and othering and scapegoating people because mm -hmm. they transgress what they think are fixed categories, this distinction will not be decisive or divisive among you who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. If you let even something as close to your yourself as your own body be something that exiles another person, you're not being an heir according to the promise. Right. That's not where this thing's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These... This isn't saying that these distinctions don't exist, like people no. are either Jewish or they're Greek or whatever else they might be. You know, I'm half Puerto Rican and, you know, whatever. And yep. people just are enslaved or they're not. That's the situation they're in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People have their gender, their, their sex. That's part of their experience. But none of those things define their value, whether or not they're, they belong, how much they belong, whether they're part of the promise or not. Like none of that. It's not a condition for participating in yeah. cosmic harmony through Christ. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Yes. And there's no room for divisions within Christ. Mm -hmm. um, there are different parts. Sure. Like, you know, my hand is not my foot. That's, that's just a fact. It's not a value judgment. Mm -hmm. But if I tried to pretend, like he says in 1 Corinthians, like that I don't need you because I'm a different part of the body, like, no, you're all part of Christ. Mm. Um, mm. Down even to like you're saying, like even our physical body, the male and female part. And if you notice, I translated it this way because this is what the Greek does it's jew nor greek enslaved nor free but then it switches the word and it's male and female and i don't know for sure there's nothing but that's that's not normal for it to switch like that in in, in greek yeah. lists yeah um it's very unusual so it seems like it has to be intentional and i think it's a reference back to genesis 1 um in the image male of God, female created God, God created them. Yeah. And uh, reading some Wilda Gaffney, who we probably have mentioned before because she's incredible. Yeah. Uh, talking about Genesis 1 and 2 and the Adam that was made is a word for human, not male. Hmm. Human was created when, when God breathed life into the soil and it became a living being. A human was created. And then the word that ends up getting translated like is not good for the human to be alone, not male. It's not good for the human to be alone. So it makes the human go to sleep and takes the side out. It's tr traditionally rib there. 
Yeah. But that word doesn't mean rib. It means side. And nowhere else, anywhere in any literature is that word ever translated as rib other than that one spot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and so Olda Gaffney sees this doesn't actually make sense as meaning like my side, like where my rib cage is. It's side split down the middle, two halves. So the Adam, the human was made to go to sleep and then it was split into two halves. And one half became male. Oh my and one God. half became female. <laughs> and so it's and almost so, like, yeah, so, go, go. So it's saying that even the original created state isn't male and female. Yeah. It's yeah. one humanity. Yeah not male just humanity without gender in genesis 2 that was then like made distinction to be male and female after that yeah it provided continuity but the the, mm -hmm. the first earth creature was androgyne right it was a unity yeah yeah and that's the core intended state of humanity is unity Mm. It's almost like there's, I mean, there's a parallel there of um, the, the, the androgyne to the male and female and Abraham giving the promise and Torah. Like, here's this thing that helps keep the thing flowing and going. Um, this distinctivizing work of God. Um and even then, it's not going to keep us back from being able to, like, the root of our belonging goes back to the androgyne. It goes back to Abraham by way of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's a parallel there. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so the whole thing com comes together in that final verse. So if you are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs based on a promise. Mm -hmm. Being part of Christ leads towards the blessing, towards the praise as worthy, the being spoken well of, receiving the promise of unity and goodness for everyone. And we only get this story because of Torah. We only get mm -hmm. Abraham. We only get male and female story. We only get the promise. We only get the anointed one mm -hmm. because well, of the sacred text. Yeah. Um, and it's here's a necessary how he, part of the story. Yeah. He, he, Paul's arguments, it's up to you whether you find it persuasive, is that Torah has within itself the ingredients of what comes after it. It was always meant to be penultimate, not mm -hmm. ultimate or final or per permanent. Yeah. But in a way that's not successionist. That's yes. not like the church yeah. got it, but Israel failed. It's no, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. has been the promise to Abraham all along, all along. And yeah. frankly, the writings and articles that I read and speakers that I hear and individuals that I know personally who are Jewish tend to get this better than yeah. a, a lot of the Christians that I encounter. Yeah. This is, so this is not about like the church is the new Israel and Israel lost their chance. No. Absolutely. No, not. we are grafted into Israel's story as Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And we can be grateful for that, but we're not the, the natural heirs. No. No, and so to disparage Israel's story is to disparage our own belonging, mm -hmm. or the the thing, the the proof of our belonging. And any time Christianity tries to pull itself away from being it, it the work of God in grafting us into Israel, we we fall apart. We it in ways that are it, it that, I mean fundamentally include anti-Semitism, but it's not certainly limited to that. Like it could mm -hmm. just spiral. And mm -hmm. uh, so I am grateful to be grafted. Mm -hmm. I am in Abraham with you. <laughs> in Abraham in Christ. With you. <laughs> uh, I think that's where we should wrap this up today. Um, yeah. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode um, as we made our way through some super geeky scripture. Uh, the easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or a review on whatever website or app you're using. Uh, that makes it easier for more people to discover uh, this conversation and this community. The second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor. You can do that for just five bucks a month. There's a link in the show notes for it. And when you do that, you get comment access on the uh, Translations Google Doc and the satisfaction that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody. Bye.